Over 2,000 years ago, two disillusioned disciples walked along a dusty road to Emmaus. They had just witnessed Jesus, their friend and leader, whom they hoped to be the Messiah, suffer a gruesome death by crucifixion. Doubt, fear, and uncertainty clouded their conversation as they journeyed home questioning the future. Until something miraculous happened. The risen Jesus appeared and answered their questions. Today, many young Catholics step onto college campuses with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed of faith given to them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, scheduled to be released in the summer of 2021, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. To pre-order your copy and help spread the word about the book, visit patchworkheart.org. Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry present Journeys in Faith. Now, here's Andy Santis. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Journeys in Faith here on Fiat Ministry Network. It's great to be here with you, and I want to wish all of you a beautiful Good Friday. Here we are on Good Friday evening, and it's been a beautiful week celebrating Holy Week. And of course, we have the wonderful celebration of Easter coming up on Sunday and so much to look forward to there. Of course, many of us last year, we were on lockdown and I know in my archdiocese, we weren't able to get to mass. So it is going to be beautiful to be able to get to mass. But without further ado, I wanna bring on my guest. I'd like to introduce to you, AJ Garcia. He is the Director of Parish Advancement with FOCUS. That's the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. AJ, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Anne. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. Yes, and you were a guest as well with Patchwork Heart Ministry recently on the Sewing Hope podcast too. That's right, yes. So, so it's so great to have you here on this evening and especially Good thanks. Friday. I was anticipating this night that you'd be able to share with us your faith, your mission, and also for us to reflect on this beautiful day that, that mm -hmm. we're celebrating uh, on the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord. So Great. why don't we start out with, with your faith journey? Because obviously uh, you came into a faith at a certain time in your life and you know, made a difference that you decided to get involved in ministry. So please do tell mm -hmm. us about uh, your journey. Sure, of course. Yeah, you know, all, all the, the, the culminating point kind of uh, uh, when I was 22, 23 years old, just to, to make the personal decision to follow Christ, to follow the church more faithfully and just in a more intentional, intentional way. And yeah, going back to being raised as a Catholic, uh, but not, 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 uh, never in my family was it a, a priority come Sundays. You know, I have lots of memories of my, my grandmother's home, of images of, 
Our Lady, Our Lady of Guadalupe, and the Last Supper, and, and often that's that that was the ex extent of I don't know the the discussion about it of, of the faith were um, very limited. Going through the motions more or less, growing up, received the sacraments, and they, they you know weren't that meaningful to me at the time. But you know just the grace that was received in them certainly carried me through, or just revealed itself uh, when my heart was prepared. You know just to to enter into that life more fully. And really, uh, not until I was in college where I started to, to be around other uh, Christians, more regularly, people that were really trying to live out the faith day to day and everything that they did. And being exposed to that for the first time was um, just it sparked a curiosity within me. And I know uh, having, having the opportunity to go to a, a Bible study for the first time uh, while I was in college, which wasn't something I'd, I'd, I'd sought out. I had a friend that was going lived on the same floor as me, invited me to go to the Bible study. I said, sure, I'll give this a try with you. And went, not knowing that it would be uh, an all-girl Bible study. So a women's Bible study that we ended up in, myself and a buddy. And I remember just being amazed at the faith of, of those women, their knowledge of the Bible, and then the way that they prayed at the end. It was a, a Protestant or not, evangelical Bible study. And my kind of upbringing experience with prayer were the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the responses at Mass, not much not much more than that. And so when they just prayed from their heart and like they were talking to a friend, asking the Lord for very specific things and just kind of casually, but in a really beautiful way, speaking to him, I, I thought they were crazy at first. I just thought these people are weird and this is not for me. Uh, but I, I continued to go because I thought the leader was cute. So I kept going back <laughs> and in uh, and, and, just how that kind of unfolded. I, I went and I'd kind of tell them, like, I don't think the God you guys talk about exists. I don't think this is real. And in a, in a really, I don't know, just kind of loving way, gentle way, they encouraged me. They challenged me in that belief uh, just by their witness. They weren't pushy. They weren't, you know, they didn't um, condemn me in any way. They continued to welcome me and, and just really be Christ. Uh, so that was, that was a, a good experience of just kind of encountering the, the love of Christ. Um, so that just, you know, just sparked this curiosity to know more and wonder about it more. I still wouldn't go to church much. And then my senior year through this Bible study group I was going with was led by the um, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I went on a, a, a mission trip to Mexico. It was actually during Holy Week of, uh, gosh, like 2008, I suppose. And that was an incredible influential time of my life of encountering uh, very impoverished people who did not have much by our standards, but were so grateful and um, uh, just um, really sought our help. They just welcomed us so well into their small community. We stayed on the grounds of a, of a church, of an evangelical church there. And I'll never forget the first night we arrived, which was, was probably Monday or Sunday, Sunday of Holy Week. And the, the people came up and just prayed around us. And I, I, my last name is Garcia. I don't speak Spanish well, but these people came up and were praying over us in Spanish. And it was just an incredibly powerful moment of just realizing, like, just the um, how big God is, how just universal the the faith is, the Christian faith is. It's, it's a, it was just a powerful experience of seeing these people just close their eyes, pray for us with such conviction and such um, such joy that it really kind of set the tone for the week. And then as that week went on, um, we taught a Bible class to the kids there. We had a physical project building a, a, a fence that we worked on. 
And uh, a real turning point for me on this trip was one of the daily devotions we did that was about that just encouraged us on this trip and pointed out the statistic that of all people that go on a trip like this and, and do good and really make these these uh, intentions to go back and continue the, these parts of their life that they've developed, just the daily prayer, the, those routines, and maybe to leave a part, just a specific area or really sinful area of your life. And the statistic was, you know, of the people that go on this trip, 80% of, of the people make this resolution, or I'm sorry, of those people, you know, only 20%, you know, stick to their their uh, their intentions, the, the things they, they hope to go back and change. And 80% go back right to what it was, you know, and I said, Lord, help me to be a part of that 20%. I really wanted to have this change and go forward just living differently after I had that experience that week. And uh, I went back to campus and, of course, like fell right in to that 80%. I became that statistic. But actually, I remember a really powerful moment on that um, Friday, Good Friday. We're traveling back. We stopped at a, uh, it, was like, it was a mega church. It was something like I'd never seen before. Uh, just so impressive. Just the number of people, the faith of the people, the um, just energy in their worship for a Good Friday service. And it was one of the few times a year where this church would uh, receive and celebrate communion. So they, they passed around in a tray, a small piece of bread and a small, um, you know, like a, a cough syrup sized uh, uh, of, of wine. And I, I, was, I remember I was fasting that day from any anything. I was trying to fast the entire day, no food, only water. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to eat this. So it's the body of, of Jesus. And at this time, I was like a nominal Catholic, not understanding what we do at Mass and what any other church does during their communion service. But I thought, you know what, this is the body of Christ. Like today's a, a good day to receive this and ponder this further. So I did that. And I think like in a, in a strange way that kind of like set the stage for my deeper conversion to the Eucharist in the following like two years. Um, but I have that distinct memory of that Good Friday of, you know what, I'm going to, we went to like a nice place for dinner in San Antonio that night. I didn't eat anything, but you know, we, uh, during that service received communion. But just what that would lead to in my conversion to becoming more fully Catholic and also um, just understanding the teaching of, of the church on the Eucharist. So I think especially during this Holy Week, you know, my favorite, um, my favorite you know, part of just our Catholic faith is that the first Mass, you know, Holy Thursday of the Last Supper and what it is remembering the Passover meal. And of course, just seeing all of these when I first understood this, which was, you know, during that time I talked about the two years after that Good Friday service, shortly after that, maybe the next year, um, actually probably about two years after that, where I it was taught to me, like the, the Passover meal, the Last Supper, all these things that pointed to an exodus in the Old Testament and how they're being fulfilled and changed here at the Last Supper. And then what Jesus was doing, he was changing the Passover meal. And, you know, from the moment they left that dinner, what he set out for then, um, which we, of course, consider and enter into deeply on Good Friday, um, all that he would suffer and endure for us and, and point to him on the cross and then to be completed. Um, so just the, the Eucharist, having that understanding more fully with the scripture and just understanding what he says in John chapter 6. And at the Last Supper, of course, the disciples there would have heard those things taught to them, to them you know, earlier on their journey and uh, as Jesus was teaching them and walking with them. So just to think that's one of my favorite things to do during this week is to kind of place myself 
when I do Lexio Divina, I like to kind of imagine myself in the room, not really as a as a character, but just like they're observing somehow, I guess a fly on the wall, so to speak, and just trying to think like, how would, you know, these disciples be responding to this, the Last Supper, after they've just been taught this about his body and bread. Like here again, he's talking about take my body and eat it after he told them, instructed them earlier on, on their journey with him. And so many had left, right, in John chapter 6. And then now at the Last Supper, where they're He's sharing this again with them. Like, how would they have responded? What would they have done? You know, like, what's not written here? What Jesus had reminded them? Like, hey, remember I told you about this and everyone left? Um, so just to, to realize, like, the magnitude of that moment. And then the disciples, of course, not knowing there what it would set the stage for. You're right, of course, for us to continue to celebrate and remember today um, the Mass and the Eucharist. So um, that was just the, when I came to an understanding of Jesus' presence in the Eucharist, it was just the complete point of no return uh, of just like needing to tell you know as many people as possible what I've learned in this kind of unfolding of events but yeah obviously during this week no better time to reflect and enter deeply into all the the richness of the scriptures this week and you know my favorite in particular the, the last supper it, now it's all coming together why God had us do your show on this particular day, because there's such a tie in your own life to Holy Week and Good Friday. And you know what? We didn't even know that. I didn't even know that before this interview. So I just think it's amazing. And God definitely had a reason why uh, you would be my interview for this Friday night on Good Friday. Mm, absolutely. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing so far. Now, mm -hmm. I didn't get to read your bio, and I do want to read that to uh, the people that are watching right now so they get to know you a little more, is that mm -hmm. you have extensive ministry experience and have served in roles with campus, diocesan, and nonprofit ministries, and you earned your master's degree from the Augustine Institute, and you're a cheesehead. You had to write yeah. that in your bio, too. <laughs> Gotta fit <And> that in. <laughs> living in Wisconsin with your wife and four young children. So let's back up a little bit with this extensive ministry experience. So, you know, your conversion happened and you were on a journey and you started to really reflect more, appreciate the sacramental life. And uh, you, you described the, your method of prayer, which is, you know, Lexi Divina, and just really devoting yourself every day to Christ. So what happened next in your life that brought you into more and more experience in ministry and in, as you said, even nonprofit? Yeah, you know, that point of like discovering the Eucharist, the church's teaching on the Eucharist, Jesus' teaching on his body and blood, kind of the, the few events that led to that were that I was involved in several uh, Protestant evangelical ministries uh, as a graduate student, and um, I, I, they, they began to challenge me about what I believed as a Catholic, which were still forming at this point. But those cha those challenges, those questions, uh, areas people told me that I was wrong for what I believed as a Catholic, which again I was just growing an understanding of, like propelled me to like seek it out. Like I wanted to know. Like they're telling me I'm wrong. I don't even know what I believe. I don't know how to defend or explain these things. Like I need to be able to do that because. It was like kind of a point of pride. Like I didn't like being told I was wrong. Like this is what I've done my whole life. I, I don't think I'm wrong, but looking into it and then just being led to uh, the Eucharist, having the opportunity to go to adoration for the first time, that just changed the course of my life. And by no means have been perfect since that point, but just this desire to be more united with Christ and all that I'm doing. And so at that time, I was um, I just started volunteering at campus ministry, and in the 
that was during a stint of graduate school in Minnesota. And so I began to do that and just like not really having a clue of how to do that, of how to do ministry. Uh, and that was the second semester of my first year there. And that next semester of the, that, you know, the fall after that, a team of focused missionaries was there. And it was just like perfect for me. You know, I had someone to learn to. I didn't know who or what focus was at that point, but I knew there were four people about my age that were full-time missionaries, which was intriguing and amazing. And then to see the way those people live their lives from as far as I could tell, pretty normal. Like they had similar interests to me. Uh, they were they were kind and they were just really like appealing to be be around. And then you learn about their schedule. Like they make time to pray before the Blessed Sacrament every day. They made the effort to go to Mass every day and just learn more and more about their lives as a as a missionary. It was really inspiring. And so I started to to try and learn from them. They encouraged me and helped me to start a small group Bible study there, uh, which really just propelled this this path that I've I've been on for a while now. And as I started to do that and lead young men on campus there in a Bible study, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, the, the team, the focus team there encouraged me to apply to be a missionary and um, was offered that position. And, and I was sent to Seton Hall in New Jersey and just got to, you know, incredible formation that you receive the time leading up to being sent to a campus and just all encompassing, you know, from how to, to share the gospel, how to lead a small group, um, just so many things, how to pray, how to grow in your prayer life so many things um, and then to put those things into practice and just learn uh, as you go uh, so a wonderful time doing that in new jersey had also the opportunity then to serve as a missionary in minnesota um, so yeah just a, a blessed moments um, on mission you know uh, both beautiful to see lives transformed and just just challenging you know being far from family or um, just when People tell you no as you're trying to sh share something with them and encourage them, but um, you know, in in all, just a, a blessed experience. Yeah, I remember we talked about this on the podcast, and you mentioned Seton Hall, New Jersey, because here I am in Philadelphia, and that was mm, kind of a yeah. a little point of discussion there too. Yeah. Not too far away, right? Right, right. And I, I thought for our audience who's watching, I, a lot of them do know what focus is and uh, because we get a, a very big, you know, Catholic audience. Mm -hmm. um, but for those who don't know about focus on a whole, can you tell us a little bit about the history of it? Yeah, of course. So focus is the fellowship of Catholic university students and primarily our apostolate serves college students um, around the country. It started in 1998 at one campus and now, uh, gosh, it, we're, what are we nearing? We're nearing 200 locations that we're serving. There's about 800 missionaries on staff, around, around 800. And yeah, when I started as a missionary in 2010, we were at, I believe, like around 60 locations. So just, you know, a little over 10 years to be closing in on 200 locations. And of course, we added our, our uh, locations where we're serving parishes now. But our goal is to send missionaries to these locations, college campuses, now parishes, and to walk alongside uh, those that we encounter there, uh, to win them over, you know, through authentic friendship, just share our interests with them, share and, and join them as they're living out, you know, in their passions and interests, and just becoming their friend, and then inviting them to, to know the Lord. Um, through this small group Bible studies, large group events, 
and then a, a specific invitation for them to consider Jesus in their life by sharing the gospel, just sharing who Jesus is, what he came in the world to do, and to encourage them and give them the opportunity to respond in a personal way, not just in a, in a, general, uh, in a general way, but to think about uh, Jesus, what he's done in their life, and what he might be asking them to do, and to encourage them, to, and then to walk alongside them and build them up, just like how I mentioned I learned so much from the team of Focus Missionaries in, in Minnesota, but to, uh, to mentor, to coach those college students to, so that they can begin living mission right on their campus, and that hopefully they'll continue that, carry that into the rest of their lives, and just live lifelong Catholic mission, uh, just like Jesus did. You know, that's the the model of, of focus. The model that focus follows is what Jesus did, where he invested in the twelve deeply. You know, within those twelve, three in an even more significant level, but he sent all of them out with the specific. Um, with, with something specific to carry out, right, in, in the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations. And, and so that's the, the model we follow, what Jesus did with the 12, you know, on a, on a campus or a parish, try and reach as many folks as possible, and then a deeper investment in a few, so that can, can continue on. We call it the little way of evangelization. So just by, you know, to, to be able to reach a few lives, a few more, and a few more will be touched and impacted to really enter and live mission in an intentional way. I love how you describe that. And it also reminds me of some other interviews that we've done uh, on Sewing Hope podcast. Of course, I think I might've mentioned to you a gentleman by the name of David Tallarico, That's right. who's actually just finishing up his last year okay. as a missionary. And then with the foundation that I represent, which is the St. Mm -hmm. Raymond Anadas Foundation, I interviewed uh, for the foundation, James Hare, a few years back, mm -hmm. and he was actually at Seton Hall as That's well. Right. Yeah. And and so we, we got an idea, a little closer idea of, of what's happening there. And I happen to have two daughters that are, uh, one is graduated from college and the other one is finishing up. So, you know, they hear about it too. And yeah. uh, it, it's, it's really a wonderful organization. Mm. And I love the fact of how personal, as you said, it's that personal relationship with Christ. It doesn't mean that you still don't have that uni universal relationship with the Catholic Church, right? And the communal okay. aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But that mm -hmm. invitation from Christ is always personal, isn't it? I mean, yeah. isn't it always like Christ kind of knocking on the door of our hearts and, and asking us if we want to walk with him and invite others to? Um, what has that been like exactly. for you? You know, because you have talked to so many younger people and you hear stories. I wondered if you could share on that a little bit. Yeah, sure. I mean, it is, it is, you know, I mean, as Catholics, it's, you know, initially hearing about that sort of approach to evangelization and to ministry is, I don't know, off-putting or just makes Catholics uncomfortable a bit where we tend to think like, well, I think that's, you know, something for Protestants or evangelicals to do, but like that's, that's our, our mission uh, as well, um, it's certainly there's a lot we can learn from our, our our Protestant brothers and sisters. But yeah, just the you know the need for Catholics to step more fully into that that role to evangelize their peers, evangelize the people in their lives, which is another thing. We hear the word mission or missionary and think, well, it's got to be far away. It's got to be another country. And you know, uh, me being from Wisconsin, like at times Seton Hall, it felt like a different country out on the East Coast there. Just a different pace, a different way of life. But I, I came to love it and uh, 
keep in touch with with many of the the men that I got to work with there. But yeah, what that looked like for me, and you know, there's one one individual in particular I think from of who is from the the Philadelphia area, uh, that part of of Pennsylvania. I met him when he was a sophomore. Um, a sophomore in college, I'd just shown up on campus, and there was a group of guys that had been in a Bible study the year before, um, the guys on the baseball team, and I, I showed up and invited him, like, hey, I know you guys were doing this last year. I'd love to continue this journey with you, and we, we got started, and there was, like, 12 guys that came, so it was just amazing, incredible, but one of the guys in particular, like, uh-uh, no way, no way I'm ever going to Bible study. you never find me there. And, and I don't remember what the, the events were that led to him eventually getting involved. But a good that my first year there, he, he was hardly there. But the men that were on his team, like he's noticing, like, all right, it's, you know, Thursday night, these guys are going to Bible study again. And then, you know, you know would hear about it in ways, just the things that those guys were trying to do. We'd have challenges we try to do together, pray daily or different fasts that we'd be doing. So just by association, he was hearing about it. He's like, all right, maybe – you know, this Asia guys and so weird or whatever he thought of me after all. And then his junior year, right from the get-go, he was involved. Like, I'd always see him around, say hi, and then he he started coming, got involved. And, um, and yeah, through that small group, he got to learn some, and then just one-on-one, having breakfast with him, having coffee with him, uh, just, just being with him outside of Bible study and hearing about the things that he was struggling with, the things that he was trying to do and improve on, and then sharing with him, you know, just specifically a you know, this is who Jesus is. He came to save us from our sins. And when we respond, like, it can change our lives. If we can accept that, step into this relationship, try and include him in the decisions we make, the different things that we're doing, you know, this can only, it can only help you. You know, that's how I tried to explain it to him. And, and you know, while we were there, he stepped into it in a, in a different way. And he had a lot of challenges of, of um, yeah, just being able to, to, um, you know, just be on the field, you know, of course, these students go to uh, campus as a, as a baseball player and athlete, and like, that's, you know, that's their identity, so if they lose that in a small way, injured, whatever it may be, uh, it's, it's a huge struggle, so getting to walk with him at that time, and just encourage him, you know, was, was really important, just to show him, like, hey, there's more to life than, than baseball, and then to have been in touch with him the years since, you know, where not long after that, he went to graduate school, he started a Bible study there, which like, I just laugh at. This is the kid who told me he wouldn't come, wanted nothing to do with it. And on his own initiative, he's done it on his own. And we remain in touch today and just know um, how he's trying to live his life now. What he's striving for is so encouraging. And um, I'll, I'll just te- I'll tease him, you know, just about every chance I get. Like, you remember what you said to me the first few times? I, I asked you to come <laughs> hang out with the guys and I in Bible study. And and so it is. It's, it's beautiful to see just how his his heart was transformed through many different things. And, and I got to be a small piece of that, uh, but just so inspiring to see, you know, that, that transformation happen over time. Yeah, that's a good story. It really is. And I think what you're building, not just you, but focus itself are really honestly lifetime relationships uh, of mm-hmm. people that will mm-hmm. stay friends and stay in touch. Not that it's just about that, but I think it really is true that when we have people that we can share faith with, Mm-hmm. whether it be in our own communities, like physically or even online friends yeah. that you have that are across the country in different places. Uh, it really makes a difference. I'm sure oh, that yeah. you've learned, you know, uh, experienced that yourself. Absolutely. Um, now we are at a point where we do have to take a break. Okay. So we will be back right here. Stay here uh, on Journeys in Faith with AJ Garcia. See you in a few. 
Hi, my name is Ann DeSantis, and I'm the director for the St. Raymond Onatis Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. You can learn about us on our website at nonatis.org. I'm here to tell you today about two great podcasts that I hope that you will tune in. The first Tuesday of every month at 8 o'clock, we have a podcast specifically for Catholics affected by divorce. From 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern, go to Philly Nonatis on YouTube to subscribe. In addition, we also have a podcast the last Thursday of every month. That's also at 8 o'clock Eastern Time for one hour. And that one is for families in crisis. We have some really great guests coming up soon, so hope to see you then. Please also consider the fact that you can make spiritual direction appointments with us, with our spiritual moderator. All you need to do is go to our website on the contact form and just reach out to us. We'd be happy to hear from you and look forward to setting up an appointment. So we'd love to connect with you. Please share this video and let people know that we're there for families affected by divorce and also families in crisis. Thank you. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. Now I had been brought up without any prayer, without Bible, without church, nothing of that kind. And so when my father died, I became suicidally depressed. I, I had no desire to live. And yet, by the grace of God, uh, whenever I got to the point of actually taking my life, I always had this interior conviction that if I took my life, I would simply find it again on the other side and it would be permanent misery. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck rope in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous, meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it. Honey, you've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm, a, you know, he, his big line to me is you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never followed through on them. And so this was, Week after week, month after month, he is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you, on your own, could have done this. So we are called to sing. All of us are called to sing. All of us are called to express ourselves and join our voice into the unity of the church. Uh, often with my choirs, I, I ask them to listen to each other, to listen to the, 
the sound that they make together as one. That's what we're aiming for. Through the harmony or unison, we're aiming for a one sound. You need to decide. What are you going to participate in? Are you going to participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice, which is in the Eucharist, or not? Hello, welcome back here to Journeys in Faith on this Friday evening. It's Good Friday. Thank you so much for joining us. And with me, I have A.J. Garcia. He's the Director of Parish Advancement with Focus. And during the first half of the show, he talked about his faith journey and he talked about some of the experiences that he's had in ministry. And I thought we could turn the conversation to your personal life because you are married. You have four beautiful children. And I would love to hear, I'm sure our audience would love to hear more about yeah, your family. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, my wife and I, we have four children. Uh, my son, his birthday will be next week. So uh, going to be seven years old. And then three girls after that, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a nine-month-old now. So uh, yeah, my, my son and I st stick together around here, uh, treasure our time, just, just the two of us. I mean, it's just hilarious to see him around a, a group of of boys. Uh, just since that's so often not his experience, he loves having those opportunities. Um, but yeah, my wife and I met while I was in graduate school, and she was a, a nursing student. And um, gosh, you know, I immediately just I saw her and like she's beautiful. I'd like to get to know her and just you know, pursue her and, and began to try to. And she. Uh, was, was not that interested the first few attempts I made at that, but just continue. I was, I was, uh, she always often will, will thank me just for my perseverance and continuing to, to pursue here, to pursue her and without pushing her away, thankfully. But, uh, you know, oddly enough, it was on a, uh, a trip to a focus conference that we really, I guess, hit it off where the time leading up to that is where I was pursuing her and she was not open to, um, you know, dating or anything at the time. And then we got to know each other with others, many others on a bus ride down from Minnesota to Florida. And then at the conference, went to a few of the talks together. And and then on, on the way back, you know, sat by each other most of, of the ride home and just there's a mutual interest at this point. So not long after that, we began dating. And then, you know, as I began serving with Focus, one of the the, the things we ask our, our first year staff who aren't in a relationship, aren't married, is to fast from a romantic relationship. So immediately we begin this relationship and then from across the country kind of take a step back. But it was uh, an important time for us to be really intentional and, and present to the times we were able to communicate, which was often just over the phone or uh, you know Skype on occasion back then. So um, you know our, our relationship was was built on just the the right things, knowing that we were you know really in it to pursue marriage um so yeah you know just the, the the strange and unique way that focus was a part of that and then uh, you know getting to be a missionary family for a few years in New, in in minnesota where we started our family and for my, my wife she's a an rn you know getting to share her passion for you know just uh, the medical interests and combine it with her faith to to talk to you know young women on campuses about uh, NFP and 
just encouraging them, you know, because they're from such a young age, they're told things that aren't true. So just being encouraged with with the truth of how they were created. Uh, she really enjoyed that, getting to be a, a missionary in a certain way. And and yeah, now just striving to raise our children in the faith, and uh, which is, is you just know, so learn so much. My kids are so young, but you know, at the point now where even the three-year-old will sometime like, you know, at mass, like, is it over yet? So trying to encourage them mm. in those moments and um, you know, just point out the, the good things that we can to keep them engaged and yeah a lot of great questions they're asking uh which are you know both challenging to us is you know we've done things in the faith for so long like, yeah why is that why 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 do we do that so explaining it you know to a child is has been um you know strengthened it's strengthened our own faith as we are just recalled to and reminded of why we are doing all that we are i love how you you explained how you met your wife and how you started to court with one another and how you eventually got married and now you have four children. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she's involved in the medical world and, and also, as you mentioned, educating people on NFP. And I'll just mention to our audience who aren't familiar, that's natural family planning. So uh, that's, that's also a wonderful thing. And, and just encourage people who want to know more about that uh, to to find out more about natural family planning. And even the very foundation that I'm the director for, you can go there on our website at nonatis.org because we do have a helpful resource page there that explains what some of those, um, you know, we have some resources there. So if you ever have any questions about it. So, uh, but thank you. And I thought we could talk a little bit about, um, you know, you are a father and you mentioned mass, you mentioned bringing the kids to mass. And of course, you know, we just went through a year last year where there were some challenges of faith because we weren't able to get to mass for part of the year. I wondered as a dad, what has it been like for you in evangelizing your own children? Because I don't know if your oldest son, did he receive any sacraments yet? What has it been like for you teaching your kids about the sacramental life and about the church? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, very unique this last year. Um, yeah, my son you know, later this year, he'll start to prepare for first reconciliation and first Holy Communion. Um, but yeah, you know, I remember last year, the first few masses having to do virtually, like trying to make the area a little bit different around our TV with some candles and, you know, had a crucifix there. Um, but yeah, that, that wore out kind of quick, you know, after the first couple of weeks of it being new, you know, there's something different and hard for all of us and not sure how, you know, a, a kid copes with all of that. Uh, so I remember that, and you know, thankfully we can um, just just look back at that as kind of a unique, special time here, Easter in our home last year. But grateful to be back, you know, at Mass here in Wisconsin. We in, in this archdiocese, we've been able to do that since about June, I suppose, and we've been there um, as soon as we were able to. Um, but felt it was safe, and our parish has done a great job of, you know, ensuring everyone of that. But. Yeah, just trying to you know, make sure there is a meaning, you know, to the things that we do as Catholics and not just, this is what we do, just do it, but trying to explain on some small level of like why or, or what, what else is, what it's, what it's for, what's, what's the purpose of it. Um, so which, yeah, still learning how to do that and so different with each child, you know, my son you can tell him something like, yeah, here's this, here's this book, you know, a kid's book about it and he'll just, he'll devour it, he'll, um, and then, you know, weeks later, be asking questions about these sometimes obscure saints. I'm like, that's a great question. I, I don't know. Like, where did you read that? And try and find out, um, you know, what, what, where he 
remembers that from, so I can go check it and try and give him an answer. And then, yeah, my, my daughter's a little bit younger, but um, yeah, just trying to not just say, just do it, I gotta do this, but just point out like, like this is why, this is how we show love and respect to God, love and respect to others, uh, to thank God um, for the things that, that we have, you know, while we're at mass. Um, so yeah, like constantly learning how to do those things. Uh, but like I said, as we're having to explain in, in simple terms, it is you know strengthening our own faith. It's really beautiful that you have the faith that you have, you and your wife, and then you're having children where you're able to really go back to the very beginning of their lives and teach them the right way of faith from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're seeing with the work that you're doing with Focus, I'm sure that you, not only you, but a lot of the people that work with you, you experience many people who have not been catechized properly and that don't really have faith and don't understand it, right? And don't have yeah. that relationship with Christ. So how wonderful is it that you as parents can do that from the beginning and teaching your children the importance of having faith and living it out? Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, I thought... Um, my mind has gone to the idea of the nuns, and I don't mean N U N S, you know, mm -hmm. sisters, but I'm talking about N O N E S, which are the nuns, right. young people, and generally people who don't have faith and they don't identify with any religion or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that because, with what you're doing with Focus, I'm sure that you do sometimes come upon people who um, they might not be. Uh, totally negative about what you're doing, but they're certainly asking a lot of questions and not sure about the Catholic Church. Has that happened very often? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think of, uh, yeah, I mean, I think of, yeah, a couple of situations personally have encountered that or know what our our parish missionaries encounter now, you know, in, in, in the parish. So I think, um, yeah, yeah. And, and they're not even, you know, they wouldn't say, they're nuns and, and they're not, but you know, a number of our missionaries that are in parish, serving in a parish as a focused missionary, will encounter people that are there every Sunday, that are involved in, in several ministries, you know, volunteering, doing good things. Um, but they're, you know, they're doing those things, you know, because they feel like they're supposed to, or they're not sure what, you know, why they're coming to Mass, but they continue to. Thank God for that. Um, so, you know, to see, you know, these people who are, yeah, 40, 50, older, and have these transformative moments where they like, they've been doing these things for years, and then there's like life breathed into them, and there's a connection where it's not just, you know, rote, continue to do it, but there's, there's meaning involved, and then just like gives this renewed purpose towards it, and where they're not just doing, uh, but they're really, you know, being, you know, more united with Christ. So I think that is, amazing to see and hear of the work that our parish missionaries parish missionaries are doing and then yeah i think a lot of my family members who um, don't associate with the particular faith and um yeah in the last year not a lot of opportunity for for conversation but you know every so often a family member will reach out to me and and say you know hey this has been really hard would you pray for me or you know, i i heard this about you know, pope francis or some you know something going on like what is that like tell me more so it's just strange how those opportunities will come you know because of the way that we're trying to live and what we make priorities 
and hopefully we're doing it in a joyful way so that people will be comfortable or willing to reach out to us you know someone who is a a nun or of a different uh, um, belief that we could be a witness and be prepared be ready to just share what we've experienced to be true well i think that the work of focus is one of the best antidotes to people who are in that you know group of people right mm -hmm. of, consider the nuns people who don't want to associate with religion maybe they were never brought up in it and they might even be honestly catholics who've walked away from the faith Right. So I just think it's amazing. And I'm really blessed to have you on this show because that's what this show is all about is journeys in faith. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you. Tell us more about the uh, parish missionaries, because I know that's new. I think yeah. it's the best thing. I mean, because focused missionaries are usually so on fire for their faith. Um, can you share with us what were some of the reasons that focus decided to do that and how successful has it been so far? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we've been sending missionaries to parishes for, I guess, six years now. Um, towards the end of 2015 is where we went to our first parish. And, you know, I believe at the time we went because there was an opportunity. And I remember, you know, the years before that, where there were conversations like, you know what, that's, that's for another apostle. That's for someone else. Like that's mission drift. Like we're the fellowship of Catholic university students. So I think there was some, some hesitancy um, at first, but it, you know, eventually, as there continued to be the opportunity, we thought, let's let's try it out. Let's see if we can take what the Lord has blessed so abundantly with our efforts and the way in which we've done ministry on campus, and try and carry some of that over to parishes. So that's uh, what we continue to learn so much about as we're reaching more and more locations each year. But I mean, there are so many obvious differences from the campus to a parish. You know, which are, you know, just objective, you know, the, the age of people, the, just the states of life are so much more of uh, such a, a wide range. And I think just the, the biggest thing for me, which is an obvious thing, but just the mindset, right? Where students are on a campus to leave like four years, hopefully not many more, but they go to leave. And in a parish, like, you're there until the end, you know, that's, that's where you are. Um, so, you know, people settle into certain ways or just get accustomed to how things are done and we're on a campus there's just so much change uh so yeah our missionaries were at nine parishes nine locations across the country and it's our goal to implement and live out that same little way you know influencing a few that will influence a few others not just to impart faithfulness but fruitfulness right not just to share information about the faith but in a way in which they'll also be able to live out a ministry in that little way as well. Um, so it happens in a variety of ways. Some of the very same um, way it would on a campus through a small group, but in a parish, there are so many ministries that we're able to get involved with that the pastor may ask us to be involved with and that we don't even, that we don't necessarily have to lead, but just influence with this, this vision for the little way to, um, just by the, the, the way that we live, by encouraging others to start being on mission, by sharing their faith in the areas they have to, right? Like not having to go, if they're, if they work in the school, if they're a teacher, like they don't have to go to another place in the city where they're uncomfortable, like just be a missionary where you are, be a witness where you are. So just encouraging people to enter, you know, into a life of mission as they make Christ more central in their own life uh, to those around them. Um, and just to influence, which will, will hopefully become a, a, a parish culture uh, of mission. 
um, which will, will spread, you know, it's kind of like lighting little fires in the ministries all around the parish uh, so that that just becomes the all-encompassing goal to make disciples, to be disciples and to make disciples. Well, I love the way you describe that whole idea of that, how the missionaries can get involved to bring that charism of the little way to so many of the different groups within the parishes, because honestly, I think that would be the most effective way to really evangelize is to get mm -hmm. to know those people, the groups, what their, what their missions all, are all about for each of these church ministries. Mm -hmm. So I just think that's incredible. And I have to repeat again. I mean, what a perfect day to have you on this show that we're here on Good Friday uh, after a day of prayer, a whole week of prayer during Holy Week. And now we can talk about focus and, and the wonderful work that you're doing as the director of parish advancement. Let's talk a little bit about that, about your particular role. And if somebody is watching and thinking, well, I would love for my uh, parish or my university, my child's university to have a missionary. Tell us more about what you do and how they can connect with you and learn more. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So my role as the director of parish advancement, it includes a number of things, but um, most, most especially our expansion efforts, the opportunities we have to reach new parishes with a team of missionaries. So all throughout the year, we're in ongoing conversations with pastors, um, a, a just discerning and beginning to walk together if we'd be a good fit for each other down the road, just making sure that their vision and our vision is similar, that it can be implemented, you know, no matter the size of the parish or location of the parish. Um, so it's the ongoing conversations. And yeah, the, the best way to, to kind of take that step would be to, to contact me. Um, my, my email address is alexander.garcia at focus.org just to begin that conversation and can share a little bit more about kind of what I have and just talking about our missionaries um, role in the parish. And then the other part of that expansion piece is to hire the missionaries to send to these locations. And, and up to this point, uh, we have only hired parish missionaries uh, from our, our campus missionaries as campus missionaries um, just continue in, in their lives, their vocation changes, their family grows. And maybe they don't feel as much as good of a fit on a college campus. There's the opportunity to continue to live this mission uh, for focus in our parishes. Um, but we've there's also an application now, and we've had a couple of conversations with folks from outside of the organization uh, again to discern together if that would be a good fit to serve as a parish missionary with us. So um, at the focus.org website, there's an about tab and a careers page. And the parish missionary is one of those positions that we are looking to hire for. Um, so yeah, that's a, a big part of my time this past year has been just having conversations with our our current campus missionaries. Some who are wondering about us, some who are discerning whether or not to return to a campus or to leave Focus or to pursue this opportunity uh, within Focus on a parish. So getting the opportunity to share with them, because it, it seems maybe strange, but so many of our campus missionaries are unfamiliar with or don't have, or haven't heard of, haven't heard the vision shared with them for our, our effort in parish. So to get to introduce our specific in, in parishes with our campus missionaries has been a lot of fun to answer their questions and just hear you know, about their desires to live out this mission, or whether they're a, a focused staff member or not in the future. Like, they're all going to be in a parish in, in some shape or form. Uh, so yeah, uh, just a joy to have those conversations and 
um, share the opportunity we have in our parish team. Yeah, you're doing excellent work. And I, I just love this whole idea that focus is within the parish settings now. I know you said it's mm -hmm. been for about six years or something like that. But uh, knowing focused missionaries as I do, I just think it's a perfect way to bring evangelization to the next level. So please do, if you're yeah, interested, totally. you're watching this right now and you're interested, AJ just gave you his email address again. It's alexander.garcia at focus.org. So make sure that you get in touch with him because he would be the person to contact. He's out in Wisconsin. Now, are you dealing all nationwide with your job pretty much? Yeah, yeah, with uh, my team and I, yes, th those are the the conversations we're having with with pastors or parish staff from anywhere in the country and, and beginning that conversation. Yeah, yeah, good to hear. Mm -hmm. So, and you as a dad, I'm wondering uh, if you could share because you're learning so much about evangelizing children, and eventually those kids become, you know, teenagers and then make the decision mm -hmm. for going into college, and then maybe they will encounter or even decide to become a focused missionary. Mm. Uh, what kind of advice might you give for fathers out there uh, to, in growing closer to Christ, to be able to bring that to your children? Would there be anything mm. that you could, uh, words of advice for them? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, myself, what I strive for, so I, I say what I strive for, this isn't always what I do, it's the intention, it's the effort, but to pray daily and, and just in, in a real way, you know, to to spend time with, you know, phones off, laptops closed in a church if possible, and just trying to hear the Lord. Um, so I'll do that either by reading scripture. Again, that's the effort I make or a, a, a spiritual reading, you know, to read about the life of a saint or a saint write about the life of Christ, but just to try and, and, and be there in, in a way that is not distracted and that is just present to to that text or to that place of prayer so just to commit to that and you know my aim is always at least 30 minutes that's what i try for and yeah depending on situations that's not always possible but to get 10 15 minutes to begin somewhere and just have time that's set apart for a, just a man in the lord uh to to do all the things in his life well and i know that's that's the source of, of my strength to be a good dad, it, it has to be. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I strive for. That's uh, my effort, just like a small, a relatively small thing um, to just be, to be prepared. Yeah, that, that's wonderful advice because, you know, we're also in the, this year of St. Joseph. And of course, mm -hmm. his feast day was on March 19th. And mm -hmm. a lot of people did that consecration to him. Mm -hmm. But remember, you can do it all year. I mean, if you haven't done it Absolutely. yet, there are other yeah. feast days that you can pick mm -hmm. to consecrate yourself to St. Joseph because it is a very special year. Mm -hmm. And especially, I think, for the fathers, right? I mean, because yes. he's such a great role model for fathers. So now we're going to be ending the show pretty soon. But here we are on Good Friday and Easter's coming. I didn't know if you had any final words um, with a reflection on what we're going to be celebrating in just a couple days. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's uh, just an encouragement and it's for myself, but for everyone to, to make the day different. Like it's what we celebrate every Sunday, but it, obviously in a particular way on Easter Sunday. So, so to truly celebrate and like to recognize what our churches do, how much they, they add to the, to the, um, the sanctuary and just the church as a whole, but to truly 
celebrate, to indulge in, you know, the, the sweets, you know, maybe some of the things you've been fasting from, but to truly celebrate what victory has been won and just what we're, we're celebrating. And, you know, again, something for myself that's always been just influential as I've grown in understanding, you know, what, what happens in these coming weeks, which we read that road to Emmaus, where Jesus is walking with the disciples and when he reveals himself, it's in that breaking of the bread. So just like continually, continuously how we're pointed and directed to the Eucharist in, in the scriptures, Christ himself, and then what we celebrate at Mass. So just to approach that, um, that opportunity um, this, this weekend to receive Holy Communion, uh, just to recognize, to receive Christ in, in a different way, in a more aware, in a way that is more aware of what we're participating in. That's really beautiful. Great reflection. Thank you. Now, I would like to invite our audience here also when this show is over, is that AJ is going to join me on the Discover Your Mission. It's called Five Minutes of Faith. It's a show on patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry. He's going to give three ways for youth and young adults to grow in faith. It's just a short program, but uh, this is a subscription series. It's a wonderful series. As I, Again, it's called Discover Your Mission. AJ, thank you so much again for joining me on Journeys in Faith. Great to be with you, Anne. Thank you so much. And have a happy Easter, everyone. God bless. Journeys of Faith is a production of Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry. For more information about Journeys of Faith, email info at fiatministrynetwork.tv. And be sure to friend, follow, and like us on social media. Just search Journeys in Faith with Ann DeSantis. Over 2,000 years ago, two disillusioned disciples walked along a dusty road to Emmaus. They had just witnessed Jesus, their friend and leader, whom they hoped to be the Messiah, suffer a gruesome death by crucifixion. Doubt, fear, and uncertainty clouded their conversation as they journeyed home questioning the future. Until something miraculous happened. The risen Jesus appeared and answered their questions. Today, many young Catholics step onto college campuses with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed of faith given to them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, scheduled to be released in the summer of 2021, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. To pre-order your copy and help spread the word about the book, visit patchworkheart.org.